0: How you guys doing hello everyone hello welcome to the nick wilson show sounds like a typical bastard so water, right
1: what's going on in nick wilson's mind
0: my mind is a raging torrent flooded
1: with rivulets of thought you're about to find out Ooh, look who knows so much nick wilson is on now Radio 92.7 FNC. welcome to the Nick Wilson Show, hashtag shut it down. We got four more days of the Nick Wilson Show here in the beautiful Queen City, and what a show do we have for you today. Okie dokie, we've got Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer at 1120, our regular Tuesday guest, our farewell ver- uh, voyage. With Alice Williams at 1120, Charminger Chach at 1140, Ross Tucker, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, one of the OG Wilson and Parcel guests joins us at 1220, Five Questions at 1240, and then Bill Ryder, Writer Than You on CBS Sports Radio Network, he'll be joining us coming up at 1 o'clock, a lot of things to get into uh, we got to start with this though, because itty bitty fitty just had a wild take off air and we're getting ready by the way, Baker Mayfield, Scott Fitterer going to meet with the media today coming up in the noon hour. So I'm sure we'll have a lot of Panthers to react to. I'll throw this out to you guys and I'll give you an answer. Once I get through uh, excoriating itty bitty fitty, what do you guys want to hear from uh, big bitty fitty Scott Fitterer and Baker Mayfield today? It's a press conference. Um, I you know what, guys, can I just tell you, I think I am a little bit ready to hear Baker be a little fired up. I think I am a little bit ready to hear uh I woke up feeling dangerous today kind of thing. Like, I'm 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 ready to be pandered to. I wanted Baker here. I still want him here. I'm excited to see what he does, even though I'll be up in Cleveland. I don't care. I'm ready to be pandered to by Baker Mayfield. Now itty bitty fitty. You and I were talking off the air. We don't have to get into what led to this conversation. But you had a hot take about uh, people being named after something. Go ahead and share that on air right now. All right. So No, no, don't qualify it. Just give us
0: the take so you and I can have it out. I stated very Mm matter-of-factly that people named after uh, a a calendar month. Uh Uh-huh. Are either, um, uh, you didn't say people, but I'll let you have it on air. Um, they are either a little overweight, uh huh, very unattractive, uh huh, or and they, or it's all three, or they, they're they people of the city, which is a biblical term of being
1: very, they, they get around okay. with, with people, they're, they're sexually, uh, they're sexually promiscuous, yes. So, your take is. If you are named after a month, you are more likely to be fat, unattractive in general, or sexually promiscuous. I want to start with the idea that you just picked three concentric circles that are different enough and similar enough that you could do that with any name. You got all guys named Keith are either fat, unattractive, or get around. I, I feel like if you cast a more specific net, like I've all, got, okay, because I'll give you one. What about if Mo- you're named after a season? No, no real quick, because autumn, you're 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 on the pole. If you like <laughs> winter, go down to the Uptown Cabaret if you want to see autumn in, in, in the Queen City. Okay. However, I do think that I'll go there if you are. Uh, if you are named after a month, you're more likely to be a stripper than the average name out there than your Katie's, your Ashley's, you know, all of that. It's that or like a biblical thing like, oh, it's heaven or it's destiny or it's and it, that's another name that I will say, if you will have one of those names, you're more likely to be a stripper than to be like a accountant. Mm. So that's, but again, that's a very incredibly specific charge. You just kind of threw it out there of like, well, you're one of these three things, which is like, uh, if you're a, if you, if you're a, a uh, named after a month, you're likely a Libra. Uh, you've dated somebody or you've gone to a sporting event. Like that's not, you're, <laughs> That's not specific enough. So I would like you to know. I, I would like to know. Do you have anything else to share on this theory about people named after months? Do you have any other wisdom, pieces of wisdom about people named after specific months? No. All right. So, so it Kate, was just a general, just a general belief that I have. Okay. So Kate is saying on the Garage Door Guru text line. Saying I'm gonna need to hear uh itty bitty fitty's logic for this argument. See, like my uh my my stripper thing with the people named after the months, I can back that up. Go to any strip club and there's going to be a uh a May, a April, a what was the other one? There was another one that I'm missing here. Um a June I've seen a February on that poll before. Really? Yeah, in Cleveland. The, February is actually like a relatively like. Also, people name their kid after Tuesday. What? A, what the hell are you doing with your lives? No offense. Which is like, the
0: worst day of the week? We determined like a month ago.
1: Yeah, Monday is the worst day of the week. You're right. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm much like. Um, oh, April, very common name. That's the big one. Yeah, most likely, if you're naming your daughter April, you might as well give her a, a little. Um, A little stripper pole in her room growing up so she can just get on those skills real quick. However, show your work on your – if they are named after a month, you are either fat, unattractive, or likely to get around promiscuously.
0: This just may pertain to the historic parts of the states I've lived in, that being historic Lancaster, South Carolina. So you've really cut a wide swath here. You've really spanned America. (laughs) Well, I mean – It's historic. So historically speaking, people in in Lancaster and now Monroe, if they were named after a month, they are historically overweight, (laughs) historically unattractive, or they are historically – as I said, biblically, they're people of their cities on a historic level, if you will. If we just based every
1: theory, every generalization we had about about people, and it was all based off of people from historic Monroe or historic Lancaster, <laughs> shut it down. Like, there's no way the, the whole the, the concept of America would be irredeemable. It would be like everybody in America looks like Mama June. Like that would be one of the like five (laughs) things that everybody think if if everybody just based off their observation of Americans off of historic Monroe in historic Lancaster. I think we continue to come back to the overarching uh, the overarching idea that anybody fitty really needs to get outside of North and South Carolina. Like maybe four years in the Southwest United States, maybe maybe I, I would say Oregon, but I don't think anybody needs to live in Oregon. That's the militia state. Those people are friggin' insane up there. Don't go to Florida either, because Florida is a, essentially a much more extreme version of the historic locations you've shared in. So, itty bitty fitty, one more time. Share your theory one more time just so we can go ahead and reset this for the people to start the show. All right. I, I believe
0: that people named after a huh are. are historically overweight, unattractive, or
1: sexually uh, promiscuous.
0: Yeah, sexually. Yeah, I don't think I could say that word.
1: Promiscuous. 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 <laughs> yeah. Let's just go with active. A lot of judgment flying out of your camp for (laughs) a guy that can't say promiscuous. So do you feel like itty bitty fitties assessment of people named after months, uh, is, is fair pretty much any, you mentioned the season thing. Also people named after weekdays, Wednesdays, Tuesdays. I can't remember a time I've heard a Monday or Thursday, um, have not historically liked those people from my experiences. See, that's how we categorize it from my experiences. We got a lot to get into on today's show. I wanted to play something that we're going to get into today. And it is Paul Feinbaum was on the morning show today and he talked about the future of the ACC involving the status of a program like Clemson.
0: But I think I think Clemson wants out of the ACC badly. Uh, I think so does Florida State. And after that,
1: it's just a matter of, of where, where the chips fall and, and who the – and this is all predicated on Notre Dame, by the way. I think if Notre Dame stays an independent for now, uh, probably nothing more happens. But I think things are going to happen. All due respect to the good people of Oregon and Washington, who I just slandered for calling the malicious state, um, Florida State and Clemson are the two biggest dominoes conjoined that can fall. North Carolina and Miami, huge dominoes. Notre Dame, huge dominoes. They're individual cases. Florida State and Clemson are going to be like OU and Texas, and they're going to be like UCLA and USC. That is a conjoined rivalry that together, from the football perspective, because in basketball we've got North Carolina and Duke, but that to me is the next big domino to fall. And if I am the SEC in the Big Ten, even though I can just sit back, actually, no, if I'm more the the Big Ten, I am knocking down the door of Florida State, trying to get Florida State and Clemson in the in the Big Ten for a few reasons. I'll share those coming up here. 704-570-9610. Do you have any aspersions you'd like to cast on people named after months, like itty bitty fitty saying they're fat, unattractive and uh, sexually promiscuous? We do have our guest lineup today pretty stacked. Ellis Williams at 11.20. We'll get into the Baker Mayfield, Scott Fitterer press conference. He wants to hear Ross Tucker at 12.20 and then Bill Ryder at 1. But as we get started here, we'll start with Clemson and Florida State together. Let's start with Clemson. Paul Feinbaum says they are desperate to get out of the ACC. If you're Clemson, Which conference should you, which super conference, the Big Ten or the SEC, should you prefer? More on that on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Unsurprisingly, we get a lot of feedback on being named after a month and what it says about you. Um, I still will say. Itty bitty fitties did not have a hot take because he had a specific thought process on people named after a month, and, I, and I'll get to another example of people named after something or a specific kind of name that uh, that that is a big tell about people. It was just that he was like he he had like three uh, three filters to run them through. It was too many. I'm willing to go. Uh, I'm willing to accept the idea. That if you name your daughter May, she's either a spinster or a stripper. She's one of those two things, right? Uh, June is another popular uh, month to be named after for women. Uh, April. It's really kind of like spring and and summer. You don't hear a lot of Novembers. Not too many Decembers out there. Although I have met a December now that I think about it. And she was awful. Um, But she was relatively attractive. So that kind of shoots down itty-bitty-fitty's theory. But... It was more the generalness of Itty Bitty Fitty's month names that irritated me. But Bill from Tennessee, well, I think another very specific, and I think this is really fair, saying, uh, where's that people named after verb or verbs or activities are generally pretentious b-holes? Chase, Hunter, Dash, Trip, Hope, it's a long list. If there's a good person out there named Trip or nicknamed Tripped, reveal yourself. Every person I've ever met named Trip makes me want to punch him in the throat. And I do think, I think Trip is a much more southern thing um, because I've heard it a lot more down here than I ever did. But uh, Big Daddy, I, I have not been in a lot of fights in my life. I'm a lover, not a fighter, to quote the great Rodney Dangerfield. But college. One dude, and I'm. you know what? I'm going to do the brag thing because I don't brag about fighting because it's kind of stupid. I beat a dude's ass named Tripp in college. <laughs> he stepped out of line. He said something he shouldn't have said about, uh, ironically, because we're, you know, casting aspersions off all women named after a month. He said something uh, about a woman in my presence, and I and I just destroyed him. So... And I, I wish I knew the other name of the guy that I got in a fight with because uh I'm guaranteeing it's Chase Hunter Dash Trip Hope. What is the worst name or the worst trend of name? Whether it's being named after um whether it's being named after uh a month, whether it's being named after a verb or activity, I also if you name your kid Shaq, guys, you just there's already been the most famous Shaq. Your kid is not gonna be like Shaq. All right, I don't care who you are, I don't care your genetics, there's one Shaq. It's like people calling your, your kid Kobe. It, that The name has reached its pinnacle. Your kid is not going to be the most famous Kobe ever in the history of Kobe's. Also, I knew somebody that named their kid after uh, Twilight. Uh, what's the dumb character's name in Twilight? Edward? No, the not Edward or Jacob, it was the girl's name, and I can't remember. Bella. It. Bella. But which again is a I love that word. As a matter of fact, Isabella is my daughter, and it was one of the reasons I almost didn't name my daughter Isabella. I think I love the word Bella because it it is an Italian word. It means beautiful. Blah 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 blah. But like this little kid, I have no reason to hate this little kid. When I found out that they were named after the 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 girl from uh, Twilight, I must said Starlight Twilight. I judged this kid. I and I felt bad for this kid. Also, knew some. My wife tried to initially pass the word the 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 name Isabella because of a character on Grey's Anatomy, and we snatched that up real quick and reworked what she was named after. Because hell no. In the meantime, we we played uh, the Paul Feinbaum sound from the Mac Attack this morning. If you guys missed the interview, uh, the boys did a great job with him. I love that Paul loves the Mac Attack so much. He's just he's just hanging out. He's he's not even doing a show right now because it's the middle of July and what the hell is there to talk about? And and Feinbaum's on the morning show and killed it today. And he said essentially Clemson wants out of the ACC, and it's so it's so interesting to think of the dynamics of moving conferences and all this stuff because the truth of the matter is the ACC has to do everything they can to keep Clemson, Florida State, Miami. North Carolina, every gigantic brand or football powerhouse they have, they need to somehow create equal energy devoted to keeping them happy and keeping them in the conference while also chasing enough football powerhouses to keep them to put them in line to be the third super conference. And that I thought was really smart by Paul Feinbaum. The battle for supremacy in college football has been it's it's been won and lost. Whether it's the Big Ten is 1A and the SEC is 1B, or whether it's the, the opposite of that. Whatever it is, that's how it's going to be. The real the the now battle is not for supremacy. The battle between the Big 12, the ACC, and the Pac-12 is for survival. It's why when the, all these reports came out were like, you know, the Pac-12 and ACC, they could do like a, a loose partnership. It, that's a great recipe for the big 12 gobbling the best parts of you up and and surviving as the third conference. And I'm sure that maybe the ACC can survive no matter what. Right, maybe the ACC by if they were to lose Clemson and Florida State, maybe they can survive a little bit longer and maybe they'll be the fourth best conference. I I think in the totality of things, I think in the, the next 10 years I think the most we're really going to have. Not in, because maybe the ACC name is enough to keep the ACC going. Maybe the Pac 12 name is enough to just keep it going. But like the Big 12 guys, it's a shell of itself. I think Baylor's a really good program. Cincinnati, I think, is an underrated program, and especially with what they're doing in basketball and football, and specifically football over the last 20 years. And I think there's some real value to a program like Cincinnati. It's not Texas or OU. And I think that's the, the fine line that the ACC is going to walk is trying to get more schools like Texas and OU, which of, of which there's just not a lot. Oregon and Washington, very important. Not Texas and OU. Notre Dame probably is that level, but Notre Dame in and of itself is not enough to make ACC on the level of The SEC and the Big Ten. It probably staves off. It probably helps solidify them. Notre Dame joining that, because that might sway, like in Oregon, in Washington. That might sway other... Maybe it sways a couple Big Ten powers. Or, sorry, Big 12 powers to walk this way over to the ACC. But the power... Because I do think Jim Phillips since joining this, and it's probably it's probably less about Jim Phillips and it's probably more about when John Swafford retired and when Jim Phillips took over, Jim Phillips has just not done enough to help the ACC survive long term. And when I say survive, I'm not talking about existing. I'm talking about being in a position where you can at least halfway keep up with the Joneses of the Ace the the Big Ten and the SEC. But I don't know if we can really say that's all Jim Phillips' fault. I can't tell. And I think a lot of people, as I have said, saying that the ACC being reactionary is killing them. And, and te- com- pushing them to the verge of complete and utter unimportance on football and college football. That's fair to say. The more I've thought about it, the more, uh, the more and, and I kind of feel maybe the same way about uh, the Pac-12, which changed their commissioners in and, and a similar time frame. I, I can't tell whether the ACC is reactionary or simply powerless. I would say that the ACC has more college football power than the Pac-12 does. More vintage brands across, even, even though North Carolina is not a historically great football power, They are an incredibly powerful brand that does all right in college football. Miami, Florida State. Like now that the Pac-12 has lost UCLA and USC, the ACC currently, as currently constructed before Notre Dame, they have more football power than the Pac-12. Same thing with the Big 12 without Texas and OU. The problem is, that's not who they're... They're fighting a two-front war here they're fighting trying to battle and try to survive and be the third conference over the Big 12 in the Pac 12. And right now, they're the only conference anybody else is going to want to steal from. So they're also trying to stave off any interest the Big 10 and the SEC have, which by the way, they do not have an answer for. Notre Dame would stabilize the conference. In the end, it probably it probably isn't enough to guarantee their foot, their college football tertiary supremacy, which brings us to the Paul Feinbaum quote from the Mac attack this morning when he said Clemson wants to get out of the ACC. And I saw a lot of people saying that, cause I asked you guys, which conference should Clemson prefer and which Clemson and rather who should want the big 10 more or who should want Clemson more, the big 10 or the SEC. Because I think in both cases, I think it is the Big Ten. I think Clemson would walk into the Big Ten as one of the six best football, the same with Florida State, one of the six best football programs, either historically or recently, in the Big Ten. I think if Clemson and Florida State go to... um, Go to the SEC. I know, I know. We're going to talk about the South Carolina rival. We're going to talk about the Florida State and Florida. It's just going to be another Southern program. Geography doesn't matter anymore. That's that's what USC and UCLA taught us. Geography is out the window. It is now about brands, prestige, and more importantly, it's about recruiting foothold. If you're Clemson and Florida State, you already have Florida and South Carolina, and North Carolina, and Tennessee, in Georgia, you already have those recruiting because you're in, the, in the, the Southeast United States. Where they could benefit from is the foothold in California. Where DJ Uyunglele and Trevor Lawrence are from, or sorry, Trevor Lawrence is from Georgia. But where DJ Uyunglele is from, where they could benefit from is staying in the DMV with in this case, in the Big Ten, they've already got Maryland and uh, and Rutgers kind of in that general region. But I think I think Clemson and Florida State should want the Big Ten more. I think it's going to be easier to stay one of the football powerhouses in the Big Ten. The money is negligible between the Big Ten and the SEC. And it gives you the distinct ability, if you were to create a pod of having, if they go to the pods idea or the subdivisions or however the hell they're going to divvy up the teams, it gives you an opportunity to be in the same division or pod with Florida State. It's not going to cheapen that rivalry. So from a recruiting standpoint, I think it makes sense to go to the Big Ten. From the financial side of things, I don't think it matters a whole lot. But I think Florida State and Clemson, if I'm them, I want to make that move before Notre Dame makes their move. Because Notre Dame pretty much is. Listen, if Florida State and Clemson go to the Big Ten and say, Kevin Warren, we'd like to join, they're going to accept you. This isn't, this isn't Oregon and Washington, where they're waiting outside the pearly gates to find out if they're getting into heaven or not. Florida State and Clemson are brand power enough, football power enough, that the Big Ten would be stupid to say, well, we're waiting on Notre Dame. Just at, because the second that you kill the ACC by taking Florida State and Clemson, Notre Dame will fall in tow. Unless Notre Dame decides they want to go to the SEC. 704-570-9610. In the event, you'd still have Clemson and Florida State. Uh, hit us up at the Garage Door Guru text line. So if Paul Feinbaum is correct on this, Clemson wants out of the ACC in the worst way. Which conference should Clemson prefer? I don't think it should be about rivalries. I think it should be about recruiting. It should be about where the other great brands are, and it should be uh, really about where you can stay as powerful as you are right now, which Clemson is not used to being a football power outside the last 10 to 12 years. Good program, not a historically great program. More on that on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. We're still taking any name generalizations that you have. Uh, I have never had a positive uh, a, a positive interaction with somebody named Trip. All right, um, and I will say because I can't remember who had it for us that that sent in the idea of people named after verb uh, verbs or activities. uh in in you know, I met one dash. Was not really a... They were not dashing. Um, oh, it's Bill from Tennessee. A hunter. I have met some good hunters. That one, I, I can move over. Hope. Yeah, you know not another one. Just This isn't after an activity or a verb. Um, heaven. And, and, and listen. It's always followed like the middle name is Lee. And you just call it. Oh, your name's Heaven. Is your middle name Lee? Yeah, they just get super down in the dumps about it. So what name aspersions would you like to cash there? What name generalities do you hold or name cliches do you hold to be true? Itty-bitty-fitty starting the show by saying that if you're named after a month, you're either uh, fat, unattractive, or promiscuous. So we have that going for him. In the meantime, we're just talking about uh, the ACC. In which conference should the ACC want to go with most? And there's really two ways of thinking about it. Texas and OU could have really shaken up college football by going to the Big Ten. But they looked at the SEC. They looked at the regional rivalries, including uh, Texas versus Texas A&M. Some people have said that, you know, from the Texas side of things, being able to basically kind of slight the big uh, the the Texas A&M was a, not maybe the overarching factor to the Texas choosing the SEC, but that it was a part of it. And we had someone in the text line saying, "Oh, Clemson should choose the SEC just despite South Carolina." I can't dismiss that that wouldn't be a line of thinking from the Clemson faithful. I just think in terms of the conference, the footpath, the recruiting footpath that the Big Ten is putting together and have put together by adding uh, USC and UCLA. I think Florida State and Clemson makes a ridiculous amount of sense for the Big Ten. It makes sense to the SEC because they're the friggin' SEC. Anything makes sense to them. But man, I think, I I actually think, um, here's, here's what Nick Wilson would do if he were Kevin Warren. One, I would go down to Rutgers in Maryland and say, thank you, it's nice knowing you. Then I would replace them in the conference with Virginia and Virginia Tech, so you stay in the DMV. Then I would offer Florida State, Clemson, uh, North Carolina, and Notre Dame. And that gets us to right about 20 teams. And that would be the super conference until I, – I, I'd probably go to 24 teams because I'm a greedy bastard. I'd want Oregon and Washington in there. I, they'd probably stop you. Like like uh, like the morbidly fat person at the obese on the fifth trip to the buffet when the waiter has to come over and go, sir, I, I just don't think this is a good idea. I don't, I don't care how fat you are. You, there's no more here, sir. We, you've eaten us out of the bourbon chicken and the chocolate fountain. Just go home, sir, please. That's what I would be as the Big Ten or the SEC commissioner. I I would not stop eating at that buffet until I fell down dead from a heart attack. But it'll be interesting to see because Paul Feinbaum said on the Mac attack this morning that they could go, you know, the number he's hearing is 20 teams. But I I had made the the mention about the other reason why I like Clemson and Florida State and chasing them for the Big Ten is if you want to influence the final domino, which is Notre Dame, if you wanted to do that, The simplest way to do that is by stealing and basically ending the ACC. And somebody on the text line there said, and by the way, we are going to be carrying the Baker Mayfield press conference at 1230 live. So uh, tune into that. We'll see if we can bump up uh, Ross Tucker a little bit earlier in the show then. So again, Baker Mayfield press conference will be live at 1230. But somebody, uh, AJ, on the Garage Door Guru text line said, if Notre Dame goes to the SEC, that would suck for Brian Kelly because he went through all the effort to learn a Cajun accent just to coach in that conference. So I think, I think an outside-the-box idea that's really interesting is Notre Dame to the SEC. I'm going to give you the biggest reason why it's not going to happen. I think it's a chance, but I don't think it's a significant chance. And it's not, about one, the difference between Notre Dame and uh, the SEC, or sorry, the Big Ten and the SEC financially is not significant enough to sway factors. Do you know what it is? The SEC, academically, the Notre, Dame, Notre Dame could not compete in the SEC, academically. Unless they were willing to completely lower their standards, the SEC does not care. The SEC, the quality of education, and and yes, it does matter. Michigan, Ohio State, um, amongst the the programs that are... This is actually going to be one of the interesting things to see in in the Big Ten. The push and pull between the amount of money your brand can bring in and the academic prestige that your university can bring in. It absolutely factored in when Rutgers and Maryland joined the Big Ten a decade ago. So that, that will... And by the way, I don't know how much it matters now to the Big Ten. I guarantee you it matters to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is one of the few big football sports superpowers left. I mean, I think Stanford probably is in the same way, but I don't think Stanford is in the same category as Notre Dame. They're one of the few schools where the academic side of things carries the same weight as the athletic side of things. I just don't think that's going to play in the SEC. Not unless Notre Dame was just willing to throw up their hands and be like, we care more about touchdown Jesus than we do about uh, academics. I'd be shocked if that happened. Like even look at the way they've handled the, even look at the way like they've handled uh, NIL. They've tried to keep it as above board, as academically inclined, as, as most professional. And less about transactions. They're still selling the Notre Dame experience. That That is not going to fly in the SEC. Here's the other thing. I wanted to ask you guys, because it was funny. A year into uh, NIL, and now another year into conference realignment. Everything that I think people have said about NIL, I think is true of conference realignment. I don't think NIL is going to kill fan interest in in college football. I just don't because it doesn't matter. Like, is it probably going to lead to more lopsided? Is it going to lead to, you know, all this other crap that's going to impact the, the, the programs? Yes. But how is NIL going to impact you, the fan, other than player movement? It's not really going to have any impact on... Maybe the quality of program. But but like other than that, this is more to do with the players. I do think conference realignment could cost college football some of its more ardent fans. And I think the gamble you're taking if you are the Big Ten of the SEC in college football in nebulous, right? The the the, coward, the college football superpowers. I think the gamble, gamble you're really taking is that you're willing to lose... Five percent of your super fans to turn ten percent of the college fan, or sorry, not college fan, of the average college fan get their interest for more of the year and for more of the football season. Ramp up interest, right? If you can if you can ramp up national interest in college football, the gamble you're taking is that you might lose some of your die-hard fans, and turn them off. And I think in the end, it will wash out. I think in the end, getting more national interest for college football, which will drive your TV ratings and your viewing numbers, which will drive the money, I think that probably is the right move. It doesn't mean you have to feel good about it. But then again, who the, like who the hell feels good about college athletics anyways? I feel good about having gone to a school that I really love and I'm really proud of in Bowling Green. I feel really good about individual programs and individual people doing fantastic things. What Dave Clawson is doing in this era of money, what he's doing at Wake Forest to me, is one of the most admirable things we see in college athletics. Outside of that, the biggest issue with sports is finally all out in the open. It's all about money. At least now the players can live in that money. So I'll ask you guys which one of these issues right nil which has been around has been officially unburdened for a year or con- uh, conference realignment what is a bigger threat to your college football fandom for me it is it is getting to a point where we might only have 40 superpower teams and then the rest of and then like two or three other tiers within what used to be division 1 I hope as many of those teams, and I'm talking about teams that we don't think of as football powers. I'm thinking about Virginia, respectfully. I'm thinking about um, uh, I'm thinking about uh, Iowa, right? I am thinking about Stanford. Teams with deep history who might not be football powerhouse. Those I want to save as many of those teams. That, to me, if realignment starts to get to we just have 20 super teams, you start to lose me. So it's conference realignment to me that's the bigger threat to my college football fandom than uh, any one of these kids making money off their NIL. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. which one is a bigger threat to your college football fandom? We got a lot to get to in the 11 o'clock hour, and if we were talking college football problems, we're going to talk NBA problems on Sports Radio, 92.7 FNZ.